CapsCorner.com, your source for review reports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October the 18th. Uh, basketball Media Day has come and gone, um, though I guess technically the ACC's Hoops Media Day is still to come for those folks who will go to that. Uh, we are going to not talk basketball tonight. Um <laughs> I love how I just did that to you people. Uh, Virginia is 5-1 on the gridiron. Uh, Cavaliers come back home this weekend for uh, a matchup against Boston College. The first time they played them in, I believe, 10 years and won't play them again for another seven. Sorry, first time they played them in seven years? Now I'm, now I'm blanking. Um, but won't play them again until 2024. So basically they might as well be in the Pac-12 for all that matters. Um, but we will talk about Virginia's win in Carolina. We will talk about this uh, pending matchup with the Eagles. And basically, can the can the Cavaliers stop A.J. Dillon uh, and John Hellman? That's really what it comes down to. Before we dig into all of that, let's go around and introduce everybody. Uh, we'll start up in Fishersville. David Spence is back on the show. How you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm four games over 500. Kind of good, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. You know, it's weird that I, it took me a minute to be like, wait, is he talking about some like pick em scheme? Like, what is, oh, he's talking about the actual team. The actual team is for, okay, got it. And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the show. How are you, buddy? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, actually, if you think about it, UVA's played Indiana, I think, like two or three times since they last played Boston College. So you're kind of on the money with the with what you said. So um, at That's true. Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner, also on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner, great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so, yeah, so Virginia goes to Chapel Hill, doesn't play very well, at least offensively. Defensively really gives up just, I mean, really, it was just like two plays, um, and that was really it for Carolina, like, all day. I feel bad because, I mean, did we talk much at all about Brandon Harris? I feel like we mentioned him some, but we definitely talked a lot about Chad Surratt, and then he didn't play a single, like, snap. Um, all day, as far as I'm aware, which, um, hey, stuff happens. I don't know. But anyway, the, the defense plays really well, gets the stop at the end of the game, much like they did against Duke. Uh, and so the Wahoos come home with a 5-1 and one record. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective, guys, on at what point in that game, let me rephrase, at any point during that game were you worried Dave, let's start with you. At any point in that game, were you worried and why? Yes, I was worried um, after the second long touch, you know, the second touchdown, the long run, um, put him up at 14 to 10. Um, just because that's what I do. Plus, my dad and mom and dad were in town, so my watching, <clears throat> my watching situation was different. My juju was all off. There's a lot of things going on. You thought it was all your fault. I did. I did. Um, no, that probably yeah, I mean, was 14 be. 10 on the road again. Of course, I, I think any Virginia fan would be lying if they said they weren't a little nervous at that point. Ferber, what about you? Were you? At any point in that game, were you nervous for the Cavaliers? A little bit on the last drive. Um, just because, not really nervous, but I would say that there were a lot of things that they left on the table that you could look back at now You know, as we record this and kind of say, man, they left some opportunities out there and could have won that game if, say, North Carolina had gone down and scored. Um, you know, they, they settled for three a couple times in the red zone and, and then the fumble obviously at the end there. So, I mean, you could you could make a case that it's like they shouldn't have lost and, and they did if they had lost. But, I mean, I didn't really – I wasn't really worried that North Carolina was going to go score on that last drive just because they had no passing game whatsoever. So, I knew they weren't going to run down for a touchdown. So, I wasn't 
overly concerned, but, you know, I mean, it felt like UVA should have been up by more, and, and they had kind of shot themselves in, a, in the foot a few times on offense to make it close. Right. It feels weird to me because if you, if you look at the, at, the, um, at the draft summaries, Virginia had three drives that were uh, 10 plays or more. One was the 18-play, 78-yard drive that ended in field goal in the first quarter. The second was the 11-play, 67-yard drive uh, before halftime uh, that ended with a touchdown. And then the other one was that 15-play, 15 plays, 60 yards, took 8.36 off the clock. Um, Just eyeballing it, I don't think of Carolina's – Carolina might not have had the ball for eight minutes in the first half. Minute, minute. No, two, two, four. Yeah, it was. It's close because they. Yeah, it's really close. I think it ended up what forty minutes to twenty minutes or something like that. Yeah, time of possession was thirty nine fifty eight to twenty o two. But the thing that really balances that out is that they did have a six play drive that ended in a field goal and a one play drive that went eighty one yards for a touchdown. Um, but I mean, really, other than that, I mean, it was kind of a bucket of yuck offensively. I, I, I don't think I was ever nervous. Um, that, that UVA was going to lose that game primarily because at the time it got tight, they were up six, and I just didn't see the defense giving up a touchdown when they had to go as far as they had to go um, given the situation. But, man, that, that fumble certainly uh, seemed to stir the echoes a little bit of all the uh, the ghosts of, of, of Virginia football, uh, recent Virginia football past at least. Um, I was in some ways very impressed with Jordan Ellis, but in some ways I'm like, this is sort of becoming what I expect from him. And – Quite frankly, I mean, look, I don't mean to go on a rant, but Virginia's got to stop messing around on third and short. Um, we, the three of us have talked about this a lot, but I don't know if we've actually broached the topic on the podcast. I'm not exactly sure, although may, maybe I did talk about my um, my fat cat uh, play call idea. Did I talk about that on the podcast? I don't know if that made it to the podcast or not. Okay, yeah, well, I guess and we don't even really know if it's a legal football play. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be legal? It's legal now. Is it? Yeah, because I mean, okay. it used to uh, be illegal. We're, yeah. uh, we're, I'm getting ahead of myself. So on third and short, Virginia has this tendency, it, it's it's been both the, the Duke game and the Carolina game, to do this thing where, like, it, you need inches, and you try to, like, I, I don't know, you get, it's common, like, you know, you got too cute. Like, instead of using the bowling ball that you have and picking up some inches, right, you try to throw a pass out in the flat or you, you know what I'm saying? Like there's just no, I don't know. There's no reason there. Or the counter fat cat ran, package, you know, against Carolina. Yeah. 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 Because everything's good to, when you have inches to go out of the shotgun, here's my fat cat play. And I apologize if I've already discussed this on the podcast, but you know what? I'm an old man now and I don't remember things. Well, um, I think Virginia should do, and I, I, one of these days, if they roll this out and they, <laughs> somebody or some random person there on the podcast, I'm 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 gonna love it. Put um, Jamari Peacock under center, all right. Let him take the snap, and then I want you to have the biggest dude that you feel safe running into somebody's back as the fullback, and I I want the entire everybody to go forward. Give Peacock the ball. And just get your inches, and I don't. I, I would dare the NCAA to try to stop it. Like I, I think third and inches that play would work against Bama. I don't even care. Like that thing would be gold. Um, and and why I'm the only one that why I'm the person that came with this, I'm not real sure. I I don't understand why it isn't very obvious. Am I the only one who thinks? I mean, I know you guys. This is one of those. You know, you do this for the for the sake of the show because I know you both agree with me. But I, they're they're getting too cute on third and short, and and I and thus far it has not cost them. Um, but 
I really feel like they they got to clean that up. They got to start being more conventional and just dare the other team to stop what they know is coming. How do we how do we feel about that, Dave? What a uh, not I mean not the fat cat thing, but the yeah. just in general on third and short. It just seems like to me you have a Jordan Ellis, use him. Well, we know the fat cat's the greatest idea ever made. Um. <laughs> hey, just because I've been talking about it constantly since I came up with it doesn't mean that we need to you know disparage it like that, Dave. No yeah, reason I mean, to be I, no reason to be snippy. So I did do my re- rewatch uh, until late last night after I listened to the coaches' show, and someone asked Bronco the question on the show last night about the short yardage situation, um, and he said, "You know, we are better blocking for for the power run game when we don't have so many guys in the box. So when it's an obvious running down, we can get leverage by formation or by play call and get to the edge." you know, that's easier than than getting clean blocks to get three yards. So I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe that play was longer. But it was third and one. Uh, the Bosa, It wasn't the, one, though. It wasn't one. It was inches. And it only says yeah, one yeah. because they don't mark it that way. No, but he was talking like three yards. And I was like, was it third and three? I thought it was third and short. Um, but, like, if that play call works, it's like any play call that's against the, what you're thinking. Like, if it works, it's a genius call. If it doesn't, it's an idiot call. Um, what I don't understand about it is a couple times we had fourth down, they run right up the middle. So the box is going to be as stock, stacked, if not more, on fourth down. Um, so if, if you trust it in the, in the, pen, you know, the ultimate down, why not in the penultimate down? I don't quite understand that. Um, look, look, Robert and I have paid a lot of money to, to make play calls. Um, I will say if you got someone other than, was it Butts or Cali? It was Butts that got the holding call. Um, you know, he's just in a in a situation where he's not called on to block very often. You know, coming out of the H back, out of the backfield, uh, that's an awkward angle for a tight end to block. Um, that play otherwise was great, uh, but again, like why do it? Why do it when you've got Ellis who's just churning up yards against a defense that's trying to quit? Um, and, and not just this week; it's happened before. So, yeah, I think it's it's something that I don't quite understand, and like just for the fact that they're willing to do it on fourth down and not third for some reason. What do you think, Ferber? Same thing. Um, I, I I mean, I told you guys during the, during the game on Saturday that I, I knew that was the reason that they weren't running the ball in those situations. They were worried that against a stack box, it'll get blown up in the backfield, whereas against a traditional you know defense, even in a running down like first and 10, they felt like the defense would be spread out enough to where they'd be able to run the ball effectively. For some reason, I guess they don't trust the line enough to, to run the ball in those situations, but I trust Jordan Ellis enough to not go down for a loss. Um, I mean, when's the last time he lost yards, like got stacked up for a loss this season? It feels like it's forever now, right? I mean, unless the blocking was just absolutely not there. I mean, you know, you can do other things that, that throw the defense off. You can put a fullback in the game and give it to the fullback. You can... Uh, go on a quick count, like a silent count. You can do all kinds of stuff. Um, I just yeah, think that I think that you're turning a play that has like an eighty percent chance to work. I mean, it's it's your guys against theirs, and your guys are pushing them around all day long in that game and in the second half of the Duke game. You know, I feel like it's like a 80 chance you can pick up that yard, and you're turning it into like a sixty percent chance by. You're banking on the the diversion or, or surprise angle. Like they threw the, 
I mean, it was another, it was, I mean, I'd have to go back and look at where the ball was marked, but I swear it was like fourth and a foot against Duke and they threw a pass to Ellis out of the backfield, who's not a pass catching running back, by the way. Um, and, and Bankert actually like made a pretty good, he had the right idea. Like he led him forward, but Ellis was kind of running, you know, horizontally, you know, it just didn't work. But I mean, what's a better chance that that ball is tipped or, or like just is inaccurate or dropped or, or Ellis gets stacked up for a loss. I mean, like I told you, Brad, during the Duke game, I'd rather, if I was an offensive coordinator, I'd rather go down on like, you know, they just, they just. We, we you know we put our best best play out there or our most likely play to work and they beat it um then to try to do something that's like less effective or less obvious just for the sake of surprise um and then lose that way um i'd rather i'd rather go down with the guys that i trust yeah, it makes sense to me that you want to like. I like the. I mean, I get the idea of well, everybody's expecting this, so let's do that. And I think they've actually done a nice job lately of sort of playing off of the tendencies that they know are on film, uh, like those plays where like De- Daniel Ham just like runs like at an angle straight toward the sideline, right? Basically parallel to the line of scrimmage from his from where he from where he leaves in the backfield, and somebody's got to account for him, you know, somebody has to go out there with him. And so it, it, I do like some of the tendency breaking stuff that they're doing. I think the thing that bugs me is like, I think, I think Jordan Ellis in a, like, for example, it, to me, the kid is good enough to get you a half yard on sheer effort alone. Right. Even if your guy, even if you don't think your guys are up to it, um, to to pick up two or three, I would rather see them go single back formation under center, turn in hand because I actually think that that gives you, if you can get yourself into this is what Virginia runs on short yardage, and you can make that a tendency that teams are expecting. You stack the box and you've got play action off of it on second and short, third and short. Base, you know what I'm saying? Like I feel like if you have an identity that says every time. The ball, the ball is close to the to the line to gain. This is what we do, and we dare you to stop it. Um, you only have to have a little bit of success with it before it does come become something you can play off of, and it actually takes away the idea of well, now everybody knows we're going to run. Well, not only does everybody know we're going we're going to run, but we've shown them this is the play. I think you can do a lot more out of that than you can this nonsense. Out of, I I just think overall, I'm just never going to be okay um, with. Shotgun formation to run in a short yardage situation. I just, I just think it's dumb. Um, I don't care if, if, you, if you don't ever do it. It's like, it's like, well, you know, basketball players shouldn't practice free throws. No, everyone. Sometime you're gonna have to go to the free throw line. Like at some point, this is gonna have to happen. Like I get that you are a shotgun team, but at some point you need to have a play or a, a couple plays out of a specific formation where you're under center. Um, and I, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me to snap the ball in shotgun and hand it to a dude who's just standing next to you as opposed to getting up ahead of steam uh, going toward the the line. I, I just I, – I, it, it, and I think that a lot of my issues with their short yardage stuff and why I'm, I'm making a, a mountain out of a molehill here is because, like, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I and I just wish I, – I, I wish – I wish that I could understand, like, why teams think that that's a positive. You feel me? Like, it just doesn't seem like it makes – a whole uh, lot of sense, and I, I don't mean to be bouncing off the walls about it. Like I get, like this is this is a Brad thing. I get it, but it just bugs me. Um, as we as we before we transition, I do want to talk about. I was a little surprised Saturday that Carolina fought 
as hard as the heels did. And I wonder if maybe this somehow that the sort of the way that the game played out allowed them to feel more confident or more excited about the prospect of of breaking that losing streak than than maybe they thought they would be. Uh, but I'm curious to get your guys' uh, opinions on that. Ferber, what do you feel like Carolina fought harder than you expected, or was that part just the the way the game sort of worked out? Was it something UVA didn't do well? What do you think? I mean, I kind of expected them to come out and play hard. Um, I mean, a team, I said it on the podcast last week, a team that isn't used to really losing um, like they have this year, they're not going to want to just keep losing. I mean, but the, but the thing is, just like with, with UVA teams in the past, you know, under Mike London or, or whoever, um, you know, we saw it ourselves, that they would come out and play hard, even if they if they had a bad record for the most part. What you have to do is you have to take them out of the game. Um, you know, if you beat them down hard enough, then they'll give up. Um, or just like the motivation to keep playing isn't there for those teams because it's like, what are we really playing for at this point? Um they were a little I think they just started a little slow on offense. Um I don't think they necessarily played a really bad game or anything like on offense. It just they didn't really um the drives they had were longer and they just didn't always result in points and then I mean they had they could have scored 31 points in this game maybe or more. Um if you really think about it, I mean, they settled for three twice um in really short yardage. I mean, they were close to the end zone. It wasn't like they were on the 30. Um, and I mean, you turn those two into touchdowns and, you know, right there, you got a bunch more points. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then, then obviously they did had the fumble at the end. I think it was just one of those games where I think what Bronco said is true. It's just, these are the kind of games you're going to get in, in the ACC where the teams are competitive. There's good athletes on both sides of the ball. Um, and you just have to be able to kind of come out on top at the end with a big couple of big plays and stops on defense and then good special teams. Um, Carolina's punter, you know, changed the field position a lot in the game too. I thought that had an impact, and and uh, UVA got some turnovers. You know, the the picks, the the Brenton Nelson pick, they were only able to turn into three points instead of seven with great field position. So I mean, that kind of stuff adds up at the end of the day. So I mean, once they get into the the back half of this ACC slate, they can't settle for three too much um, in these situations where they are close to the goal line. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same way. I mean, it was what, like a, less than a minute left before Virginia scored the first touchdown, uh, you know, for less than a minute left in that first half. So even though, you know, dominated the line, you know, dominated the uh, time of possession, and in many ways dominated that entire first half, it wasn't reflected on the scoreboard. Even after that touchdown, it was 10 nothing. Um, and I believe Carolina got the first ball. Yeah, not a, yeah, Carolina got the first ball and scored. In the second half, I think if Virginia had stopped them then and then put some points on the board, maybe you start to see the cracks. But if you were watching the game, um, I'm not saying you guys weren't, but if you go back and watch the game, uh, as soon as they had that long run followed up by the, you know, the, the quick touchdown drive there to make it 10-7, you could start to see a little more energy in the Carolina defense. Um, then they backed that up with that long run touchdown drive. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, the guys have prod, and you know, when when you're starting to see some some success, you know, it's easy to keep that going. And I think Justin nailed it. We saw, you saw that a lot with with the old Virginia teams. Um, and one thing before we, I want to like 
all year I've been feeling like this this season is mirroring 2011 so oddly. Um, like that missed face mask call. I had flashbacks of Florida State when we stopped them um, down there and got the face mask call on that sack. And then they ended up getting the field goal attempt. Like it's eerily similar. <laughs> this time we didn't get the play call. Um, oh, sorry. Sorry, random random comment I wanted to get work in at some point during our discussion tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like it's a little bit different than 2011, though, because just like as a whole, this this run. This was Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, this run, I mean, I think is different. That that game, it kind of kind of was like a lot of the games that they played that year. But I mean, if you go back and look at the results um, from this season, I mean, you could maybe say the last two weeks. You know they've they caught some breaks, but I think they've made a lot of their own breaks. I mean they they're winning the turnover yeah. battle, they're committing fewer penalties, they have better field position a lot of times. That 2011 team was was getting by on like some breaks here and there. Or, you know they play a team that doesn't have a lot to play for. Um, you know that Florida State game they scored 14 points, and I mean yeah. Chase Minifield just made that great play at the goal line that say that they would have lost the game if he doesn't make that tackle, that sort of thing, and then. Um, I think they got kind of exposed in the last game of the regular season where this team, it's like they're executing really, really well on defense in almost every game. I mean, they're going to give up stuff, but you know, even with the injuries they've had, they're just executing at a high level on that side of the ball. And then the offense, I'd say the offense still has a ways to go in terms of consistency, but they're not turning the ball over much and they're cashing in in the red zone. So, I mean, if we, even if it's field goals, they're getting points. So, I mean, for the most part, I'd say they're more of a legitimate five and one, even if their schedule maybe hasn't been as hard. Yeah, I'm pretty impressed with the defense. That's two weeks in a row the defense has made a stop to win a game. And it's, I, mean, I don't want to say they've gotten to the level of the basketball team where you're more comfortable with the defense on the field than the offense, um, you know, in a drive situation. But they've reached the level of the basketball team where I feel much comfortable. Like, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with that defense. And what I have to keep reminding myself is a lot of these guys weren't recruited to play in this system and they've trained them and coached them and, you know, got them into shape to be players in the three, four. And it, it, it makes you really excited about what they can do with this defense going forward. Yeah. yeah I would agree with that. Oh no, go the ahead. Reason I, no, I was going to say, the reason I asked the question is because I, I, I think it's two specific plays that sort of kept Carolina in this game. Um, they come back, Virginia's run what 16 plays or something nonsense. Um, end of the first quarter, Start of the second quarter, Ellis rushes uh, at the at the one, loss of one, and then Mejia kicks the field goal. That play, and then the the way that the second half starts, right? Because they go into the half down ten to nothing, um, have to feel like they're poised to maybe get blown out, right? And what does Carolina do? Carolina goes four plays, seventy five yards in a minute, and nineteen seconds. Between those two things, I think they were the they were the the catalyst, so to speak, for the effort. Because I really think if Virginia comes out there, gives Carolina uh, goes three and out, and Virginia scores again to go 17 nothing. this thing's over. Um, I, I think both of those plays allowed Carolina to have that have faith. And certainly after um, you know, a couple three and outs, Carolina then scores again off that Michael Carter touchdown run from 47 yards out. At that point, they're, they're living high on the hog, right? They're, they're feeling it. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of... Uh, Plenty of excitement that you can kind of sink your teeth into and uh, and get get happy about. So I, I feel like um, it 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 was definitely a situation where I thought that offensively they didn't execute well enough to put the team away. And I think some of what Carolina did 
um, especially those those runs that Carter had, um, really sort of kept them in it. Speaking of runs, um, Boston College comes to town Saturday with you know a very different style of offense. Um, sort of the more you dig into it, you see that AJ Dillon had a beast game last weekend, and certainly has a uh, has the potential to have to have games like that um, sprinkled throughout a season. Um, but in, if you look at the numbers, he's not like he's not he's not Saquon Barkley, right? Like he's he's not dominating you right now. Um, his numbers this season are not that far off from where Ellis is, to be quite honest. Um, Ferber, let's start with you. What do you feel like the biggest difference is in this in this game between these two teams? What do you, why why do you feel like the Cavaliers are a solid favorite right now? Um, if you if you look at what Boston College did last weekend. It was impressive. I mean, I watched a lot of that game. Um, I've gone back and seen more of it. They they did a lot of good things on offense. Obviously, they scored 45 points. Um, they ran the ball all over Louisville. They made a lot of effort plays. And, I mean, they got an impressive road win in a place where many people didn't think they'd be able to. Um, and, and, th- and another thing is they withstood a comeback from Louisville at the end where they came back and tied the game. And then they, they took the ball away from them on what could have been a game-winning drive for Louisville. So... Um, I mean, I was impressed by that, but that's one game out of seven. Um, you, I mean, you can't look at that game and say, this is who Boston College is, and we know that, because you go back and look at some of their other performances on offense, and they're just not as impressive. I mean, this is a team that's averaging 20 points a game. I mean, they, they beat Northern Illinois to start the season, then they get drubbed by Wake, they get drubbed by a good Notre Dame team, and they did hang tough with Clemson for a while, you know, before losing that game, but then they scored 10 points at home against Tech. So, I mean, I think Louisville's defense, we know. I mean, it's the same issues they've had in recent years. They, they're they not great against the run. They're not great in the second half. Um, they have issues with effort sometimes. <laughs> and I think that's what showed. I think Boston College went in there, and they got off to a good start. And uh, they started playing well, and then they said, you know what, well, we can go win this game. And A.J. Dillon just put the team on his back in the in the second half, especially he had that huge run that was all over, I'm sure, all over Twitter and the internet um, where he threw the defender to the ground. Uh, but this was by far his best game. I mean, it's not like he's putting up 273 yards a game. He's got That was almost half of his output for the season. He has 605 yards and six touchdowns. I think he had 273 and four against Louisville. So, I mean, and, and this is a team that is pretty one-dimensional. I mean... They've got two different quarterbacks that that they can roll out there, and both of them have experience. And I don't think either of them are necessarily you know bad in uh, Brown and Wade. And we'll see what the injury situation is as we get closer to game time. But I mean, you're talking about guys with 50% completion percentage and more picks than they have touchdowns, a um, thousand yards in seven games. So I mean, it's about 144 yards a game. So. I, I'm seeing a very pedestrian offense um, that's going to look to grind you out on the ground and a defense that is pretty legit. I mean, they do have a good defense. Uh, Harold Landry is a great player. I mean, he's probably one of the best pass rushers in the country and definitely the ACC. And then, I mean, you have guys in the you know in the linebacking group that are that are good players. They they hunt the ball. They do a good job against the run. And then you have a few guys in the secondary that are capable of making plays. But I I mean if if they come to Charlottesville and try to win the way that they beat Louisville, I don't think that it's going to work out for them because I think UVA's defense is good enough to stop a team that's one-dimensional. And so far, I mean, that's what Boston College looks like to me. That's an interesting point. The idea that that, that if you are one-dimensional, the Cavaliers will make you pay. I felt like 
uh, I asked the Bronco the question after the Carolina game, like, how much did you prepare for, for Brandon Harris and this? And he's like, none. Like, I wonder if some of what we saw from them early um, was just them, you know, they were still getting stopped, don't get me wrong, but, like, it just felt like to me that Harris ha- would, would have a little bit of room to run, and I wondered if some of that was just them trying to, um, you know, to, to get right, um, you know, considering what they were expecting. Um, this is not like they, they will go in knowing exactly like we were joking about, um, you know, let, let the whole stadium know what you're, you're going to call. Um, everybody knows what, what BC is going to want to do. Right. I mean, like there's no, there's no trickeration here. There's, you know, it, it, it's a, it's going to be a very physical game and certainly, um, against the best passing defense in the ACC, I don't expect the, uh, the Eagles are going to be able to pass the ball much. It's going to have to happen on the ground. Um, though if the one, if, if I do think there's a lesson from the Carolina game is that one bad run fit can be a touchdown. Um, and so the, there's gotta be, um, a consistent, um, a consistent doing of your job and handling of your assignment. Um, and, and if you don't do that, they will make, they can make you pay. They're that good. Uh, Dave, what, uh, why do you feel like the line sort of is where it is? What, what do you feel about this one? I don't know. I mean, I, I spent a little bit of time watching more BC today than I had. I've watched him play a couple times this season, but I mean, this decade, I think Ferber kind of, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think Ferber kind of hit, hit on it. It's last week's game kind of changes everything about the way you feel about them. Um, now, they played a tough schedule this year. You know, they lost to Notre Dame and Clemson and Virginia Tech. Um, but they also lost to Wake, and they barely beat Northern Illinois, and they beat a terrible Central Michigan team. So if they lost in Louisville by a couple touchdowns or even a touchdown, I don't know that, you know, they have the kind of the swagger we saw in the interviews today that you were posting. Um, they remind me – we were just talking about old Virginia teams – they do remind me a lot of Mike London's Virginia teams, like especially on defense. There, there are some really good pieces on there, but for some reason, they can't seem to put together a game. Um, like the pieces don't work well together. It, you have Landry, who's a, a great pass rusher, and you've got a couple of linebackers who look decent. And you see, individ- you see like sparks of greatness from that defense, but they can't seem to put it together. Um, and offensively, I mean. Offensively, before this week, they were kind of a train wreck. Before this past week, they were kind of a train wreck. Um, and even this past week, they didn't they didn't score till late in the first quarter. I mean, they, they hung forty five on Louisville in three quarters, which is impressive. But like, I, I don't quite know what to make of them. Um, you know, the quarterback run game has hurt us all year. Um, not so much the design run, but the scramble, and you know, they certainly can get yards from the quarterback position. Um, they pass out of that a little bit, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be stopping the run that, you know, especially Dylan and making the quarterback a running guy. Um, and then just being consistent on offense. I, I don't think it's, I, I think the reason the spread is where it is, is because look, Boston college is probably more like what we saw the first uh, six games. And we were what, what we saw this past Saturday and Louisville is kind of a, head scratcher anyway you know they've got a lot of stuff going on off the field there and if it wasn't for Lamar Jackson they probably would have lost a few more games already so um you know seven points that's a big spread for Virginia but you know I think it should tell you Vegas doesn't make these spreads to lose money so yeah I mean I think that 
I, you know, I, I kind of misspoke, I guess, when I said that they have a legit defense. I mean, they have legit pieces on their defense. Um, they've given up 30 points a game, so I don't want to make it seem like we're playing Alabama this week. So, um, the one thing I will say, and I think it was mentioned in the Behind Enemy Lines piece today, but when you look at their team, it's like they do okay against the run and they do okay on first and second down, but they give up a lot of big plays and a lot of third downs. They're, you know, they're letting opponents convert almost, I think it's 40% of their third down attempts. Uh, and conversely, I think UVA is allowing like 27% or something like that on their defense. So um, I think, I mean, <laughs> you know, their defensive coordinator is a familiar face around here. And I think that some of what people, you know, some of the reason that it might not have worked out you know, when he was here, um, was because UVA was just, they gave up a lot of back-breaking plays after a few plays where they look good, and I think that's kind of UVA's recipe for success this week is just to kind of hammer the ground game and then try to hit over the top um, and make big passing plays. Yeah, I think that's that's it. that's good. Let's let's move on to um, what do you feel like? What do you think Virginia has to do to win this game? Let's 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 frame it that way. Um, what what do you feel like Virginia has to do, Dave, in order to win? And don't say like be who they've been because that's not that's not really constructive for no, I mean, podcast. But in some ways, yeah, they got to be who they've been. No, um, run the ball. I mean, got to keep look anytime. With the depth we have on defense, anytime you can shorten the game for your for your defense, it's going to help. Um, but also, I think BC is vulnerable against the run, so don't get cute. Just like we were talking about earlier, don't get cute in short yardage. Just pound. You know, get us a couple of those 15, 16, 17, 18 play drives that we've seen this year. Um, you know, you're you're also the home team, so you know, just hold the ball um, and and be smart. You know no turnovers and, and keep the pocket clean for Kurt. I think Kurt's going to get hit in this game. You know, it's going to be a situation where he's got to pass. Um, and so he's got to be a little bit more secure with the ball, but I mean, not that he's been terrible with the ball, but you know, he, he's going to get hit at some point in this game. So being, being secure with the ball and running it, um, I, I trust the defense to do what they have to do. So those are, if I have to point two things they've got to do, it's those two. What about what about you, Ferber? What do you feel like this? What do you feel like Virginia has to do in order to win this game? Yeah, I think it starts with uh, protecting the quarterback and trying to give him time to get the ball out. Because, I mean, as you know, Brad, it, you don't want to get behind schedule in the throw game. Um, I knew you were going to do it. Yeah, it was, you. I mean, you, you just opened it up for me. It's I did. Open. I did, and I'm um, so sorry to the good people out there. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but serious. In all seriousness, I mean, you don't want to set up a lot of third and really longs and stuff like that because. I mean, if you can stay on schedule, then that, that is something that, you know, gives you a good chance against a team like Boston College. And then on the other side of the ball, I think it's, honestly, it's going to be about that sustained effort that we've seen over the course of the season. I mean, you just got to play for 60 minutes, and it's going to be one of those games where the defense, you know, you might see some some hands on some hips in this game. It's going to be, you know, a warmer day, and, and Boston College makes no you know, there's no mistaking, you know, what they're trying to do. I mean, they're just going to try to run, run it down your throat and, and, um, you know, make you submit basically to their running game. So, I mean, if they can continue to, to play, you know, sound football throughout the game and, and maybe, you know, if Boston college gets a drive together on the ground, just, you know, hold them to three or keep them out of field goal range or whatever you have to do to keep them out of the end zone, you know, and, and that sort of thing is, is a huge, is a huge part of this game, almost like the Duke game. 
we haven't talked about something Ferber mentioned in the five to watch. We don't know who BC's quarterback is going to be unless I, unless there's been some stuff out there today that I missed. Um, now maybe by the time that the, you, you listen to this, there has been something, but um, at this point, is it weird to say, I don't know who their quarterback is going to be. And it doesn't really matter. Like that seems odd, but that's sort of the way I feel about it. Um, Anybody, real quick, any preferences between the two? Ferber, what do you think? Well, I mean, obviously, you don't root for people to be hurt, but, I mean, if the backup Darius Wade plays, he's only really played a little bit this season. Um, or I think he's thrown, like, 20 passes or something like that. He did have to finish the Louisville game, and he did so uh, well. But, I mean, he's kind of been a backup for his whole career, and he's played each season that he's been in Chestnut Hill, but... Not really as a starter. Um, Brown is the better passing option, and it's it's pretty clear why they went to him as a freshman. But honestly, I mean, I don't want to have to eat these words next week, but I don't think either of these guys are gonna be you know are gonna really scare UVA's pass defense. Uh, I mean, they'll probably prepare the same way for both of them. And and honestly, I think that's probably what they did for Carolina. I mean, they probably didn't do a lot of of stuff on Brandon Harris, but they. The offense that they run is pretty similar regardless of who the quarterback is. Um, Surratt was their leading rusher coming into the game. Uh, so, I mean, it wasn't like they had to prepare for a dual threat and a pocket passer. I mean, both of those guys could run, and I think both of these guys are pretty similar in style, and I don't think the offense will change much either way. What about you, Dave? Any preference? I mean, I, yeah, I'd probably prefer to go against Wade. I think Brown's a little bit better runner than Wade. Um and I think Boston College is going to – I think we have an easier time defending their pass game than a run game. Um, so if I had a preference, I'd go with Wade. But, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I think we, we make an adjustment or two depending on who it is and just keep doing what we do. Well, the good news is – We is do because i got to play. <laughs> the good news is is that, um, you know, you're, you're – you, you know going in that there's a chance that they could both play. As opposed to last week, where I don't, you know, Bronco won't ask the question. I wish you seen the expression. I'm like, no. Um, all right, let's get to the to the to the prediction portion of the podcast. This is uh, the thing that I know everybody uh, loves the most. Let's be honest; they like to make fun of us when we we make mistakes. Uh, in the preseason, Dave, you had Virginia winning this seventeen thirteen. Um, Virginia, by the way, how how do you feel uh, about this one now? I think Virginia still wins this one. Um, uh, I was kind of going back and forth, but the, the more I've watched BC play today, and more highlights I've watched, I just think this is a game that Virginia can get a couple scores ahead and get them out of their game and, and kind of get some momentum similar to what we saw in Boise. So I'm, I'm going to change my score quite a bit. I'm going to go 28-13 to 13 at Virginia. All right, Ferber, in the preseason, you had Virginia win in this game 23-17. to 17. Um I don't know where you thought those two field goals were coming from. Oh, I guess I shouldn't say that. They they kicked two this past weekend. How do you feel now? Uh, not too different, honestly. Um, I thought it would be a low-scoring game. Kind of like the UConn game, I thought would UConn would try to bring UVA down to their level and make them play a low-scoring game, and I think that's probably what they would have wanted to do. They just weren't effective enough at doing it. Uh, I think Boston College has an effective running game, and there's a path for this game to be really close. Um I don't see it being like, you know, the game in Louisville last weekend where it ended up, you know, the teams combined for 87 points or anything like that. Um, I think UVA has proven to be pretty comfortable playing these games that are in the 20s and close. Um, And I think that this one could be another game like that. 
I'm going to change my score prediction just a little bit. I'm going to say 24-16. And uh, I think Virginia gets bowl eligible on October 21st. Uh, can you believe that? That's the first time <laughs> I think in this podcast that we've mentioned that. That Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, I, I, I'm going to follow up on that in a second. In the preseason, I had Virginia winning at 17-10. to 10. I'm going to stick with part of that at least. I'm going to go Cavaliers 28-10 to 10 in this one. I, I just genuinely I, – I just don't think um, – I just don't think that you can beat a Bronco Mendenhall defense if you can't throw the ball a little bit. And I just don't think uh, – I just don't see Boston College doing much through the air. And I think Virginia's running game is going to make what I believe to be a somewhat soft rushing defense. Um, I, mean, I think they're going to make them pay. And I think that that helps the de- – it, it, I think that helps Virginia's defense too in the sense that the I think time possession is going to be important in this game. And I think that's going to do a good job to keep them off the field. Uh, before we get to the prop bets, I do want to talk about the fact that here we are talking about a team that could be bowl eligible by the next time we have a podcast. Um, well, I know that that will be, I mean, everybody will be overjoyed at the prospect of Virginia going back to the postseason. I, I, keep, I can't stop thinking about it in terms of 2-10, and 10, and I just can't stop sort of um, framing it in that respect, which is in the preseason when we all picked – uh, I had Virginia five and seven. Dave had Virginia seven and five, and Ferber had Virginia four and eight. That they could be bowl eligible, like Ferber just said. At this point in the season, I, I'm be honest, it really blows my mind. Um, now, whether they get it done this weekend or not, they got six chances at, at this point to get it done. Um, how how unexpected, in your opinion? would it be for Virginia to become bowl eligible? And, I mean, I don't mean that in terms of, okay, now the team is 6-1, and one, how unexpected is it if they beat Boston College? But I'm just talking about in general. Like, as you look at the totality of the games that they played to this point, Ferber, how crazy is it that if, if Virginia is able to do that? Uh, it's pretty crazy that they could be doing it this weekend. Um, I mean, in the preseason, I I picked them to go 4-8, and eight, and I remember I, I gave a caveat on the podcast that I thought that they could be much improved and still be 4-8. and eight. Um, I thought there was a path for them to get to six and six, but I honestly didn't think that the path got them much further than that, barring something surprising. But I mean, here we are. So I, I mean, I got to tell you, I'm I'm pretty surprised <laughs> that they're five and one. Um, the Boise State game was obviously the that was the game that I mean really shocked me. And then after that, I mean, I picked them to win the next two. So <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like that game really recalibrated everybody's expectations and. Now we're almost to the point where it would almost be a disappointment or a surprise if they didn't get it done this weekend. And I think it's the first time in the history of this podcast that they will have been bowl eligible, which is something in itself. I don't know how we're going to handle that if it happens. Um, but I mean, <laughs> at this, at this point, at this point, like I said a few weeks ago, you know, we kind of talked about like what what the new expectations were after Boise State, like what they would have to do to to be successful this year, or, or what would you consider failure. Um, and I said anything less than five wins at that point, you know, when they had three, would have been disappointing. And, and now it feels disappointing if they wouldn't get to six. Um, and then once you get to six, I think you can really start to play with house money and see, you know, what else you can do this season. Right. What about you, Dave? Yeah. I mean, scale of one to a hundred, like a 95. I mean, it's especially this, this point in the season. Um, yeah, I think most of us had, well, the three of us at least had Virginia going three and one in the out of conference. Um, I had two and maybe two. Maybe Ferber had him two and two, but so I mean, I think the surprise is you know winning winning the conference game so far. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If someone tells you they're not surprised, they're full of crap at this point. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, I mean, you got to be. I mean, the over-under for this team was five and a half wins. They, they could cover that on October 21st. Um, and bowl yeah. eligibility, which is a big deal. So, I mean, when you're sitting in here after, let's see, six games, saying if the team can just go one in five the rest of the way, I'm a happy guy, that's a good season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think for me, I, I always thought that they had talent. I, I didn't. I, I thought last year that um, I, I really thought that game to game to game that the places where they were behind, were they were consistently behind, and that's one of the reasons why things stacked up against them. But I definitely didn't think. I mean, look, I picked them to go five and seven. I picked them to win this game and then lose the the, the remaining five. Um, so I I don't think. Uh, I think some things have lined up for UVA, right? Uh, Carolina being bad certainly helps. Pitt's not that great. Georgia Tech's probably good but not great. Louisville uh, remains to be seen what you get day-to-day with them other than just Lamar Jackson. Uh, Miami, I think, has has been kind of skating by in some ways. I'm I'm not really entirely sure yet what to expect from them other than uh, things are probably going to be close. And I think Tech's pretty good. So, I mean, ultimately – this season sort of has lined up for UVA to have a little bit of a renaissance um, and a, a little bit of a reemergence. And I feel like, had you told me at the beginning of the season they were going to be five and one, right now I would have told you you were crazy. Um, mainly because just it wasn't even just like if you looked at it game to game to game. Yeah, sure you could pick it that way, but it was the the the, the big picture sort of idea that they would be consistent enough to do it that way. I think that's the thing that's the biggest surprise and. Certainly has, you know, folks excited about, um, you know, what's coming. Um, yeah, from a fan's perspective, I mean, I really hope they, obviously I hope they win every week, but yeah, I really hope they go ahead and get that six win this week. I, I don't want to have the, like, oh, yeah. okay, we're five and two now. We got to go to Pitt. And if we don't beat Pitt, then we got that gauntlet coming. Could we be five and seven? Right. Just get it done. Make me happy. <laughs> well, hopefully we have not jinxed it because I know that, uh, you know, there are plenty of UVA fans who yell at me on Twitter anytime I ever say anything that could be remotely jinxable. Um, let's get to the prop bets before we wrap up this week. Um, all right. So I did not check last week's. I'm just going to assume that uh, that I won. Okay. I got them all right. I did? I got them all right? <laughs> no. Oh. I don't know. Oh. Well, you shouldn't say stuff like that because I got excited. I was about to take a victory lap. All right, who do we think is going to have more rushes this, more rushing yards this week, Dave? Do we think it's going to be AJ Dillon or or Jordan Ellis? Jordan Ellis. What about you, Ferber? Uh, Dillon or Ellis? I'll go Ellis. I think BC might outrush them, but I think Hillman will get a bunch of yards too. So. Yeah, I was going to go with Dillon until I realized that they have Hillman as well. So, um, the, I, I agree with you. I think BC outrushes them, but but Ellis has more yards. Uh, more passing yards or rushing yards for UVA, uh, Ferber? What do you think? I'll go passing yards. It's usually how it goes. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Uh, passing, 300 to 270. Why, my goodness, you have actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say passing as well because I just think that to uh, to expect them to do I – mean, I just I, – I, it's funny because I, I, I'm more worried about BC's passing defense than I am rushing defense, but I still think the, 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 the thing even was out that way. Um, will UVA have a field goal over 30 yards? I'm going to say no. What about you, Dave? I was tempted to say yes, but no. <laughs> Ferber? I'll say yes. I haven't wow. kicked a field goal, so I'll go, mm-hmm. you know, 32 yards or something like that. That's basically right. an NFL extra point. That, that, that's the one that 27 and 20 against that's Carolina. the one Ferber wins on, by the way, Dave. Um, okay. Probably. Attendance 40,000 and over. Yes or no, Dave? 
I'll go over slightly. Uh, yeah. Ferber? I'll go under slightly. Oh, I think it's going to be 41,500. Can we get Carolina's ticket? Right, counters? because they said there were 50,000 people at that game, and I laugh in the Hey, hey guys, though, if you're listening, if you're listening to this podcast, the game's at 1230. You might want to get to the gates a few minutes early because of what happened last <laughs> time. Just I recommend 1145, just in case. And lastly, will Brent Nelson have an, in, an, in, an NIT? Wow, that would be really weird. An INT in this game, yes or no, Ferber? I'm going to say yeah, because it's just more fun. Yeah. Dave? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say no because I don't think they're going to throw the ball that much. I just think they're going to be all like, well, if we don't run the ball. They don't need to throw the bass, the ball for Brenton. That's true. Get <laughs> well, BC can't really throw any basketballs either. So. Oh, and there it is. <laughs> too too um, soon. <laughs> that's, yeah, there you went. Uh, well, I that that's uh, that's that's a nice place to put a pin in it. That's that's fun. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Um, we will be back obviously next week uh, to talk about possibly the first bowl eligible team in the history of the podcast. Uh, Two hundred twenty six episodes in, it didn't take them that long, but we'll have to wait and and see how things shake out on Saturday. But again, want to thank everybody out there for some continuing to support the show. Thanks to uh, Dave and Justin for giving graciously of their time as always. I really appreciate it. Uh, so for David Spence, for Justin Ferber, and Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.